For the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. With the help of God, I want to begin tonight on a few thoughts for a few weeks on the road to revival. You'll find in the book of Jonah, by far one of the greatest revivals that ever took place. Some historians say that as many as a million people in Nineveh got right with God. We know 120,000 children were there. Bible tells us so. And so, a great revival took place. And, uh, and I want to show you the road to revival with this thought. A contest of wills. A contest of wills. Let's pray again. Matthew, how about you praying? Amen. You'll be sitting. If you've got more than one child, you probably have a child, that, one that has a strong will. And uh, you, when I mentioned that, you had one come to mind. And of course, you have worked with people that have strong wills about them. But truly, we find in this passage, a man that pits his will against God's will. Now I want you to take from this study and our time together in the book of Jonah is this. I want you to see the magnitude, the, the, sheer, the sheer effort God puts in his will being done with a man and the effort and the sheer rebellion against God's will being done in his life. To the, the extent was phenomenal in this chapter what the, the, the grace and the long suffering and the, 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 the extent that, that God extended himself for Jonah is absolutely mind-boggling. You know, he could have said when, when he said, Jonah, I want you to go. And Jonah turned to go to Tarshish. God could have squashed him like a bug. Found somebody else to do the job. But the extent that God uh, went when grace and long-suffering is it, it, absolutely astounding and amazing. As we start this book, we need to understand it is the most ridiculed book in the entire Bible. Scholars make, have made fun of this book and some put it on the same level as Goldilocks and the Three Bears. They say it's nothing more than just 
uh, fairy tales. And, um, but I want you to know, I believe it exactly what God said. Now, I believe it for two reasons. One, because it's in the Bible, and I believe the Bible. Second, because God gave it authenticity in the book of Matthew. Literally, he said in Matthew 12, 40, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I want you to know God gave it, Jesus himself gave it uh, authenticity and referring to it in the gospel. So uh, regardless of what scholars say or want to believe, uh, no doubt in my mind it is true. But I must admit, it's a very interesting story. It's no big deal if a man catches a fish. But when somebody comes in and talks about a fish catching a man, that's a whole other story altogether. Could you imagine? Could you imagine fish holding up a, holding up a, a man by his ankles and, and having a picture made like we do with fish? And, uh, but in fact, that's what happened. Uh, a fish literally caught a man. There was a young, godly young lady who went off to college. And she took a class on religious literature. One day, the, uh, they were discussing a Bible, and a professor who was an unbeliever asked if there was anyone who truly believed in the story of Jonah and the big fish. Well, this young teenager, she had some backbone about her. She raised her hand and admitted she did. The professor looked at her with an... Um, an ugly face, and you really believe that a man was swallowed by a big fish, stayed in his belly for three days, was spit out on out by that fish and landed on dry ground and lived to tell about it? She said, yes, sir, I absolutely do. He said, can you tell me what kind of fish it was that swallowed Jonah? Well, she said, well, I, I can't really remember and, uh, what kind of fish it was. But I'll tell you what I will do. When I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. Professor Smart had said, well, what if Jonah isn't in heaven? She simply smiled, well then, you can ask him. <laughs> All right? People get hung up on this uh, book of the Bible because the truth is, they really don't understand the book. The book is not about Jonah. It's not about the fish. The fish is mentioned four times. Jonah's mentioned 18 times. God's mentioned 38 times in this book. The book... Is about a holy God that has a will for Jonah, and that will is going to be done. It's hard to imagine that we would believe or think that 
our will could stand up to the will of a holy God. And yet, I see Christians or so-called Christians do it all the time. And it's amazing. It's amazing to me. And I believe there's two reasons. We're either not afraid or we're arrogant and proud. And we're not afraid of God. I don't know. Do you have a healthy fear of God? I have a healthy fear of God. I truly do. And trust me, if you don't have a healthy fear of God, become a monk and don't do anything. Don't, don't go nowhere. Don't ride in a car or anything. I have a good, holy, healthy fear of God. Muhammad Ali was going to go fight an opponent, one of his early opponents in the newspaper writer. I really liked Muhammad Ali. And uh, newspaper man said, Muhammad, your, your opponent said he's just going to get on his toes and run from you the entire fight. He just smiled and made this statement. He can run, but he can't hide. May I say something to you tonight? On this road to revival, you can run, but you can't hide from God. I love that statement he made. He said, he bought a ticket, he's going to Tarsus to get from the presence of the Lord. May I ask you, where is that? Somebody's cell phone. I hope it's not mine. Where is that? Now I'm talking about the presence of the Lord, not cell phone. That's my kid. Some of you are looking and saying, I don't know where is that cell phone at? Well, I'm glad Brother Finley's not here. Some of you don't know that. But I, I had crushed, I'm going to just stop take a few minutes to tell you a story. Um, I had crushed my phone in a, in a car. And me, me and Watch, it's one of those days. We was trying to get out. We moved the seat and we heard it crunch. And so I went and got me another phone. And, and I had a brand new phone. And uh, boy, I'd been really telling these teenagers around here, don't you, I bless God, I don't see you no phone. You texting, if you start, don't you catch me, uh, me catch you a texting. And uh, so anyway, about that time, about eight days, I was preaching away, and then all of a sudden the phone rung, and it was mine. And it had one of them setting uh, to sound like rock music. He just stopped, and that's been several years, and I have never got out, out under that with him. And uh, so anyway, but, but where is that? Where's that place that you can run from the presence of God? I hope what we'll learn over the next few weeks. Obedience always brings blessing. Obedience always 
brings a blessing. Disobedience always brings a burden. That's a good place to start tonight on this road to revival. Whatever place, if there's a place in your life that you're disobedient to, and it's not what you're doing to someone else, it's not what you're doing to church, it's not what you're doing to even me, it's what you are disobeying God. Literally, you're pitting your will against His will. And it becomes a contest of wills. And that will always determine by who gets their way. How do we find ourselves running from God and running from revival? How do people find themselves in the awfulest mess if they ever find themselves in? How do people find themselves in, 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 an, in a catastrophic place? Somewhere they pitted their will against God's will. And I hate to tell you this. I'm as well just going to tell you the end of the story. You're going to lose that. Notice with me three things. First of all, the master. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, that phrase simply means, the word of the Lord simply means this. It's used seven times in Jonah. It means that's his will. And now the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is the will of the Lord. And the will of God will never go contrary to the word of God. Let me tell you that again. I know it's elementary, but we don't get it always. The will of God is the Word of God. How many has got your Bible? The will of God is the Word of God. And the will of God will never go contrary to the Word of God. Nor does the Word of God ever go contrary to the will of God. Um... Several, several years ago, uh, a young couple, precious couple, uh, come up and they, they ask a question. And from the world's perspective, it made sense. But I had to tell them, that's not what the Bible says. And the Bible said, this is what you need to do. And they said, well, yeah, but... I said, no, there's no bad to it. That's what the Bible says. Well, they obeyed the Bible, and my, it turned out being a blessing. The Word of God is always the will of God. And here's the question. Who's the master? Whose will is going to win? That contest of wills. 
Who's going to win? Who's the master? Well, it's the Lord. And the first words in this book, uh, he, the Lord, it's amazing, he has the first words in this book. Then in chapter 4, verse 11, he has the last word in this book. And when we, go, when we come to trying to contest, uh, that word Lord means Jehovah. It is the redemptive name of God. If you're saved by the grace of God, washed in His blood, Jehovah saved you. That's His redemptive name. And from Genesis, from the first chapter of Genesis to the last chapter of Revelation, God is telling us what His will is. Now, now I need you to stay with me. And I, I'm not an English major. Good Lord. English, I had to struggle. Lord gosh, I like to never got through Greek. I'm telling, like to never got. I, I, it got so bad when I do, when I'd finish my papers, I'd write down my, please, grace, 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 have mercy. It was so hard. And, uh, but, but I'm not an English major, but if you remember English, English verbs have three moods. A mood is simply the manner in which a, a verb expresses an action or a state of being. There is the indicative mood. Now, now I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. It's not school, all right? But, but stay with me. Indicative mood uh, either makes a statement or asks a question like, John gave me a birthday present. Is indicative mood. The subjective mood is used to express a wish. If I were you, I would also give me a birthday present. But then there is the imperative mood. The imperative mood is to express a command or a demand. Now I want to show you something that I did not know this. I challenge you to go home and find anywhere in the Bible that God gives anything other than an imperative mood. Everything God said is a command or a demand. Nowhere, nowhere, Absolutely nowhere does God give it a command and then say, Hey, by the way, what do you think about that? Nowhere. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach to that wicked city. You'll not find it nowhere where he says, If it's okay with you, if you would like, if it's not too much trouble, if you feel like it, nowhere in this book does God ever put anything, say anything, but in the imperative mood. It's literally God says, for example, God says, do not marry unbelievers. Don't be unequally yoked. Young people, are you listening? Don't be unequally yoked. Nowhere does it say, 
Do not be unequally yoked. But if you're going to marry, make sure they're nice, or they go to church, or they say they're safe. No, it doesn't say that. It says, do not be unequally yoked, or don't marry an unbeliever. And there's no exception. But I love him. Well, you may love him, but you may hate him in a year or two. I mean, I remember uh, a young lady come to me, and I tried to talk her out of it, and I, I did. I really did. I tried to talk her out. She said, but, I, but I love him. I said, oh, matter of fact, I've never done it but him. I, I told her in counseling, never done it but once, and I'll probably never do it again. I said, I said this. I t- stopped in the middle of it. I said, young lady, you need to run and get away from this feller and wait till God gives you somebody that loves you. This man will mistreat you. Never done that but once. And I believe he would. I still believe he'd hurt. Gets a chance. But the Bible says, if you're going to marry, he doesn't say, well, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But it's okay if you love them. No, they want nowhere. Now, in this contest of wills, we got to get really settled here on this. In this contest of wills, we got to realize that regardless of how you feel, what you think, what you believe, and this is amazing to me, no matter how much you dislike something, no matter what your opinion of it, if God says in the book, then that's His will. That's His will. And you just think about all the command God, God has given. Wow. And when we kick those commands, we're saying, God, let's have a contest of wills. Whose will is going to be done? But like the feller said, I got so tired of people telling me what to do. I joined the Marines. Yeah. That was real smart, wasn't it? Yeah. The truth is, we all live under God's Word. But not everyone lives. Now listen, we all live under God's Word. But not everyone lives under God's will. Well, I'm in the will of God. Okay. Is there a command that you're not obeying? then you're pitting your will against His will. Truth is, God said, Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Assyrians were the mortal enemies of Israel. What God was asking Jonah to do was this. It would be like a Jew asking in 1942, God saying to a Jew, I want you to go to Germany and preach against Germany and Hitler. Now that's the degree of what God said I want you to do. 
Assyria was absolutely a wicked city. I, I read one article in uh, uh, a commentary, rather, and some of the Assyrian leaders would go into the city and they would literally build towers of skulls where they'd go in and behead the people. Now, this is, this is wicked. In one case, uh, uh, one of the wicked leaders went in and they skinned the people alive. I mean, the wickedness. And God said, Arise, go to Nineveh. And all of a sudden, Jonah said, Are you kidding? Give me some M16s and a tank and, 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 and I, um, give me, you want, you want me to go, so you want me to go shoot him? Oh, no, no. I want you to go preach to him. And I want you to tell him to cry against it for the wickedness has come up before me. And I want just to tell you, the, the, the will of God is not always easy. As a matter of fact, most of the time, it is hard. God was asking Jonah to go rebellious pagan nation and preach to them. If they would repent, they'd receive the mercies of God. Jonah didn't want them to have mercies of God. He wanted God to kill them. Find God, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted God to help them. And Jonah didn't want to go. Just like many times, we're not wanting to go to our neighbors or our work people we associate with, or our friends. And in different various ways, we run from God and stay silent as well. I remember occasion, a man, he got very upset with me. And um, I wasn't upset with him, but he was upset with me. And um, very vocal and uh, very mouthy and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But I heard he had cancer. And um, uh, I went down to the hospital. I, I got more than that pray, and I heard he'd had cancer. And God laid on my heart to go see him. And after about two hours of debating my will versus God's will and me arguing, well, God, he don't like me. He's been bad-mouthing me all, all over the community. He, he don't like me. Uh, he, he's threatened me. He, I, 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 I ain't going. I ain't going. Well, after a couple hours, I said, okay, okay. I said, okay. And literally, this was my, I know, I know, you're much better Christians than I will ever be. But this was my attitude. Okay, I'll go. I'm, I'm going. But I didn't have a good attitude about that. I said, I'll go. If he says something, I'm going to let him have it. If he says something, I mean, I'm going to let him have it. And, and we're going to get into it right in an intensive care unit. And I said, but I'm going to go. Now, I know, I know that's wrong. I, I understand that now. But I win. His daughters was there. She said, well, I don't know if he wants to see you. I said, well... Lord told me to come down here and see him. 
I walked in that room and immediately he just broke out crying like a baby. He said, I didn't think I'd ever see you walk in. He said, I am so glad. I am so glad you came. And I honestly, I had to stop. and say, oh, God, forgive me. What a dog. <laughs> God, forgive me. Until the day I, I did his funeral. Till the day he died. I visited him in his home. Till the day he died, we were best of friends. But I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. And Job didn't want to go. And it's not always easy. This road to revival is a hard one. What I'm trying to say is, it might be that you're, you're pitting your will against God. You know what God says in His book? God, you know, you know what God has said for every husband here. And wife, that's not your business. What God has told him to do is between him and God, not between him and you. And ma'am, God's told you what you need to do. You're, it's not between you and your husband. It's between you and God. See, we have to understand something. Me being in the will of God does not go through someone else and then up. You see? The will of God comes from me and God. And when me and God is right, then me and everybody else will be right. But we will never be right this way till we're right this way. And God does not go through, well, if they do this, if they do that, if they change, if they do this... Boy, it's a great lesson I've learned. God help. Praise God I've learned it. Still learn it. Still learn it. Me being right with God does not go through you then up to God. And you, your action. I'm glad you're here tonight. It encourages me. But if you laid out and didn't come to God, disobeyed God, has nothing to do with me being in the will of God. The will of God is me and God. The will of God wasn't the destination. The will of God was Jonah making the first step towards Nineveh. That's the will of God. And instead... Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. The will of God is the first step. But what did Jonah do? He went the opposite. And being out of the will of God was his first step towards Tarsus. You miss it when you try to attach others to you being in the will of God, or a destination being in the will of God. The will of God starts with the first step of obedience. And being out of the will of God starts with the first step out of the will of God. He turned and went the other way. 
He said, I'm going. We see the master. But notice the man. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For the wickedness has come up before me. Now God said, do what? Go to Nineveh. God said, do what? Oh man, I'm glad you're listening good. That's, that's good. But, but, but it's amazing. But, Jonah rose up to flee under Tarsus. That word, little word, but, says, that's his first step. Go, but, and you can put anything out you want. I'd be honest with God, but I'd love my wife, but I'd submit to my husband, but I'd be faithful to church, but I'd be a witness, but and you can just fill in the blanks. But it's all the same, no matter how you slice it. It's the first step of disobedience. And we find the man here. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Wow. So we find here first a desertion. God demands and commands. But understand this. God will never force us to obey His commands. God loves us so much. When He formed Adam and breathed in Him the breath of life, He said He's made in our image. He's just like us. And God give men and women a wonderful, powerful gift. He gave you a will. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever will, most important word in that verse, whosoever will, and God will never override your will. Now He can make you wish that you hadn't chose your will. But He will not override your will. It's the greatest gift. One of the greatest things God's given us. And we all have a will. And the Bible says, and God loved it so much, so He said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. But Jonah rose and to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. It's one thing to resist God's will, but it's another step 
to refuse God's will. Under Tarsus, from the presence of the Lord. Adam and Eve tried that. Genesis chapter 3. She sins. She gives the fruit to him and he sins. And all of a sudden they recognize they ain't got no clothes on. And they sew fig leaves together. Then what do they do? Adam? Adam? Hey, Adam! Adam, where are are you? Adam's hiding behind a tree trying to get out from the presence of the Lord. But where is that? Psalmist said, if I go into hell, he'll be there. If I go into the earth, he'll be there. God said, there ain't anywhere you can go. I don't know where you're at. Can you imagine going where the presence of God cannot reach? And yet people still believe they can presence. They can hide from their presence. I believe I've gotten one honest answer from a from a precious little couple. I went and visited them. They come here for a while and they quit going. And I asked him. Went to see him. I said, well, What's wrong? He said, well, preacher, it's like this. Uh, it's word for word. He said, we've done decided we're going to rob God. And we can't hide over there, uh, solid rock. So we're going to go to another church. I told you church, but you know the name of it. So we're going to this other church so we can hide. So we can hide. Because we determined. That's what we're going to do. I said, son, thank you for being honest. It's an honest answer. But I said, how are you going to hide from God? He said, well, I ain't figured that out yet. I ain't figured that out yet. We find in John 6, Jesus told his followers he was the bread of life. And his followers murmured against him. And in John 6, 6, 6, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Literally, they professed, but they didn't possess the Lord. Robert Robinson had been saved out of a a very wicked life of sin through the preaching of George Whitfield of England. Shortly after his conversion at the age of 23, Robinson wrote the, great, the hymn, Come Thou Fount. Sadly, Robinson wandered far from those streams of mercy he wrote about. Like the prodigal son, he journeyed into a distant country of carnality. One day he was traveling in a stagecoach sitting beside a young woman engrossed in a book. She ran across a verse she thought was beautiful and asked him what he thought of it. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Bursting into tears, Robinson said, Madam, 
I'm the poor unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago. And I would give a thousand worlds if, if I had them to enjoy the feeling I the enjoy the feelings I had then. I'd give a thousand worlds. Notice the desertion. Number two, numbers notice the direction. He fled to go into Tarshish. Now Nineveh was five hundred miles northwest from where Jonah was. Tarshish was 2,500 miles southwest of Jonah. There's only two cities mentioned in the book of Jonah. Nineveh and Tarshish. Nineveh represents the will of God and Tarshish represents, guess what? Your will. Nineveh represents what God wants. Tarshish represents what you want. In every day of your life, every day, we did visit one of these two places. Every time you choose Tarshish over Nineveh, it's going to cost you. Now notice what he said. So he paid the fare thereof. And notice with me. And he went down to it to go with him into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Whenever we choose Tarshish, we pay the fare. Someone has said this. Be now the will of God, you'll, you'll go further than you ever expect to go. Stay longer than you ever expect to stay. And pay more than you ever expect to pay. How true that is. I used to think, I used to preach this. God help me. I used to think years ago, when I went full-time in the ministry, I had, a, I, I had a supervisor's job. I made good money, made good bonuses. And I used to say, boy, you know, I gave up this up for God and gave up this for God and I've done this for God and I gave up this. Oh, how stupid. What a grand day I realized I didn't give up anything for God. He gave up everything for me. Jonah thought he'd solved all of his problems just buying a ticket on a boat. What he didn't realize, that was just the beginning. It just started. He just started his contest of wheels. I'm going to have my wheel. I'm going to Tarsus. I'm going to do this. I'm going that. When in fact, God's in heaven saying, Oh, no, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And Jonah wasn't the only one. In Luke 15, we find a prodigal son. Give me my inheritance, old man. Give it to me. A few days went to a far country. Lived it up. The Bible says, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. Let me tell you something. That boy paid a price. 
He paid the fare. When he come back to the father's house, who did he work for? He worked for the brother that owned everything because he didn't leave. We see the disobedience. So Jonah rose up to flee. Now he's not going down there sightseeing Tarshish. He's got only one goal. He wanted to run away from God. Notice, he went down to Joppa. And he went down into the ship. Isn't it amazing how God says, when you demand your will, it's always a downward. It's always a downward journey. We see the master. We see the man. But I want you to know something in closing the message. God, well, well, oh, uh, well, well, John, if, if, if you will do this, if you will do this, Jonah, for me, I will make it easy on you. I'll send you an army. If, if you do this, if you do this, no. The message of God never changed. We'll find later on. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Ain't you glad of that? What was the word then? Go to Nineveh and preach to that wicked city. God's word never, 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 the message never changed. Boy, the battle today, trust me, I feel it. I truly do. Occasionally, people will leave church. And occasionally, they'll leave because of what I preach. And they'll say, well, I just don't believe that. But they can't look in the Bible and say that it was not the truth. And then I come to a place, well, am I going to believe God? Or am I going to change the message? Well... I don't have a right to change a message. It's God's message. God didn't give John an option. Opportunity and duty go in him. And everyone who forsakes duty loses opportunity. Opportunity doesn't come. Now listen, opportunity doesn't come wrapped in Christmas paper and ribbons. Instead, it's usually wrapped in plain paper. What I mean, just the everyday duties. The one that gets the opportunities that God wants to use in a miraculous way are just people. Hey, hey bud, I want you to do this, okay? Just do it. It's a young person that God says, Obey your father and mother. Which well, great. It's a great command of promise if you don't live long. God said, Obey your father and mother. It is the young person that says, Okay. Because it's amazing how dumb you think your parents are at 15 and how miraculously smart they get when you get about 21, 22. It's amazing. 
But it doesn't make any difference. God says, Obey you, father and mother. For this is right. And what God is saying is, the young person that does that, see, we, we complain about a lot of people. Well, they won't let me do this. Oh, let me do it alone. No. It's not what others do. It's God giving you the opportunity. And when you obey the commands, and it's, it's, it's so amazing, you just obey. God says, do okay, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And then all of a sudden, God shows up, and He's got a wonderful opportunity for you because He's waiting for someone. He wants to send revival to Nineveh. He's wanting to do something for you. He's wanting to give you revival. But it comes in a contest of wills. I wonder tonight, who's winning? Who's winning? You say, I, I, I'm, I'm winning. Well, that's the, that's the lives of the devil. You just thank God. You're not really winning it. You're not really winning it. Dr. Hiles said this about the will of God. To lose something in the will of God is to find something better. He said, I'd rather die in the will of God than to live outside of it. Boy, this is something so... Would you, would you really listen? There's nothing in this world so empty as getting what you want. I love this one. I, I'm, I believe this. Life is too short. Not to spend it doing what God wants us to do. So on this road to revival, it starts with a contest of wills. We won't won't tell anybody else. Shh. We're just going to whisper us out. Is your middle name Jonah? Are you demanding your will? And you think it's okay with God? Are you letting other people determine your will? I don't let other people determine my will. I'm praying, let God. Other people have affected my will in times gone by. But I try to work. God, what's your will? Contest wills. That's where we got to start. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, never eye closed.